Sometimes trips down memory lane are fun, aren't they? We've been on a journey ourselves in which we have been looking at our church's core values. If you think about core values, that those items that not only define who you are, but they're also those defining items that you want to aspire to be. So you can be both, for example, kind and yet also want to be kind. You can be gentle and also want to be gentle. You can be loving and also want to be loving. Because we all know that there's times when we're not kind, we're not gentle, we're not loving. So they are both what we are, core values are, but they're also what we desire to be, what we are aspiring to be. So when we list our core values as a church, there are moments where we can say, well, wait a minute, I didn't vote on those. I didn't decide that. Rather, it's not so much whether we all took a poll and decided, but rather work was done to say, if you look at us at Hamilton Reformed, what are some of the principal items of who we are that percolate to the top? that others experience when they encounter us as a whole and hopefully as they encounter us individually. But we're also at the same moment readily able to admit that we're not always those core values. That there are times where we have to say to ourselves, we've fallen short of who we want to be and who we believe we are. Otherwise, there wouldn't be much reason of talking about them. They would simply be. For example, I'm six feet tall, maybe six foot and a half, an inch, give or take. And that's just a fact of who I am. Now, through the years, I might be getting shorter. But as my wife says, you know, you can't brag just because you're tall. You just are. It's not like I did anything to be that. Our core values define who we are, but they're also who we desire to be. And so we've been working through these core values, and this week we're working on our final core value, open hospitality. We've talked about having intentional faith development. That was the first one we talked about. We talked about um, selfless generosity. And we talked about last week compassion or compassionate acts of service. And this week we are to talk about open hospitality. 
Now, in our journey of talking about each of these core values, we've had a, the, the privilege as well as the interesting little side fact that we've looked at the new emerging church in Antioch, this young church that is beginning way back when the church began, this church in Antioch, some 200 plus miles north of Jerusalem, this church that began because of persecution, this church that wasn't just Jews who came to believe that Jesus was the Messiah, but this church that also took on people that were non-Jews that came to believe Jesus was the Messiah, the anointed one, the Christ. And so we've been, in each of these core values, finding ourselves touching upon this young church in Antioch. And it's more kind of an aside. It's, it's not anything to say, be like Antioch, as much as to say that we are going over ground that others have gone before. That we are on track with other churches, just like that first church in Antioch. Now, we learn about the young church of Antioch through the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is the, called the Acts of the Apostles, but really it's the work of the Holy Spirit. And we see the work of the Holy Spirit working on the early believers. And in that book of Acts, we encounter a few different controversies in the early church. One of the first controversies had to deal with uh, how do we take care of widows? That was one of the first controversies. And out of that controversy, without going into all the nuances of it, what was born out of that controversy was the whole office of deacons. The office of deacon serving came out of that first controversy. Now, our core value that we're discussing today, open hospitality, comes out of the next major controversy in the early church. And Antioch, that young little church north of Jerusalem, played a pivotal part in the opening of that controversy. So we're going to read here in a moment from the book of Acts, and we're going to ask that God would bless this reading to us that we might learn and grow together. So let's pray. Amazing and overwhelming that we can stop and truly talk to you, Almighty God. That in this moment that you hear us, that amidst all the noise of life and all the noise of the world, in this moment you hear us. And our prayer to you, O Lord, is that your spirit would move among us in these moments in such a way that we might truly hear you. That we might hear what you want to teach us. 
that we might be blessed by your word. In Jesus' name, we dare to pray all of this. Amen. We're in the 15th chapter, and we're going to go on for 20-some verses. So let's see what we can gather. But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the brothers. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders. And they declared all that God had done with them. But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. The apostle and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter. And after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days, God made a choice among you that by my mouth, the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them. Having cleansed their hearts by faith, now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus just as they will. And all the assembly fell Silent. And they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. After they finished speaking, James replied, Brothers, listen to me. Simeon, who is also known as Simon or Peter. Simeon has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written, 
After this, I will return and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins and I will restore it, that the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who makes these things known from of old. Therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but should write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols and from sexual immorality and from what has been strangled and from what from blood. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, much of this is somewhat foreign to us but it speaks to hospitality. And we're going to dive into that in a moment. But when we say the word hospitality or open hospitality, we often know what we're talking about. We know what it is to be hospitable and to be a good host or hostess, to make our homes open or even our church open to others and be hospitable and welcoming. We know what hospitality is. Some of us do it better than others. Some of us seem born to it, just that we were gifted about making everyone comfortable and welcome. But hospitality is a very current thing. Even as we encounter people that are rude and all that, hospitality is not dead in any way. Hospitality is taking over industry as well. Look at it this way. If you go to a restaurant or if you go to a hotel, they talk in terms of us not being consumers, but in terms of us being guests. They use the term guests and they work on a theme of hospitality because they know that that has a stronger return of us returning to partake in their offerings of whatever the restaurant or hotel or other thing has to do. They no longer see us as customers. They see us as guests in order that they can shift their own mindset among their workers and everyone else in the corporation to see the people who come in a manner that presents hospitality because they know that that is effective in getting people to return. We know what hospitality is. And the church often talks about hospitality, not just ours, but the church at large, because we live in a consumerist culture, and we, like the restaurants and hotels before us, see that hospitality is a way of making people feel welcome, and maybe they'll come back and stay. Some of our larger churches spend an enormous amount of effort on hospitality, making people feel warm and welcome. But they get to a size that they forget what that hospitality is all about. And so 20 or 30 come in just as 20 or 30 go out the back door. When we talk about hospitality, we need to talk about what's at the core. This is written in a time where hospitality is so much a part of the culture, far more than ours. Because it's written to a culture 
in which honor and shame are the principal market share, far more valuable than coin. Honor and shame, such that one expressed hospitality in the home because that was a way of making your honor go up. And the less hospitality you showed, the greater shame you had such that we will read through the scriptures and be surprised that they'll welcome in strangers that they don't even know, and yet they'll pull out all the stops. They'll, they'll kill the calf. They'll bake the bread for people they don't even know who, quite frankly, just didn't think enough about where they might stay this night, and yet they're opening their home and pretending like they're the greatest thing. Why? Because for them, it was all about honor and shame. At their core value was honor and shame. Hospitality has underpinnings, core value of what's going on. We as a church can say our core value is open hospitality, but we must, we must get to the core reason why that is. Otherwise, all we're doing is the same as a restaurant or a hotel, pretending that we're nice and kind in the hopes that people will stay. And the reason we want people to stay, it's important to get to the core point of open hospitality. Which brings us back to this controversy one which we don't really have a lot to relate to. In short, what was happening is Gentiles, non-Jews, were coming to believe that Jesus was the Messiah. That's how the whole church in Antioch started to blossom up. And Antioch had had a series of visitors. First, they had the people that came that were persecuted who shared Jesus with them, and they came to believe in Jesus. Then they had Barnabas sent up from the church in Jerusalem, sent up to check out what's going on up there. Then, as we read the other week, the prophets came up and said, hey, look, there's going to be a famine throughout the land. And the church in Antioch prepared for that famine and even gave to Judea and Jerusalem for that famine. And now we have a fourth round of visitors to this new church. And this fourth round is coming up to check out again what's going on. There's Gentile believers up there. And to them, that's, that doesn't make sense. How can you believe in Jesus and not be a Jew? And so they come up and they say, look, you have to be circumcised. You have to follow the rules of Moses, the law, the Ten Commandments. You have to do these things if you're going to follow Jesus because you have to be a Jew to follow the Messiah. Now, for us, this is a debate, a discussion that's long spent since settled. But right now, we're getting to look back in our history and see what an important debate and discussion this was. Because at the root of it, is the understanding of who is Jesus to us. At the root of it is the question of hospitality. 
Paul and Barnabas at the church in Antioch. They've been working and teaching and training up these new believers. And suddenly they've got people coming up saying, you've got to be circumcised. You've got to follow the laws of Moses. And Paul and Barnabas engage that and say, wait a minute. And they start the fight. But they can't get an answer. They can't resolve the problem. So they take it back to Jerusalem. They take it back to headquarters. And what we have is we have a window, a front row seat into the gathering of all the parties that are ready to debate this. And they gather before the apostles and the debate begins. And it goes back and forth and we don't get all the nuances, but we've all sat in different debates and discussions when real controversies are under play. Who's going to win out? We're getting to sit right now and figure out who's going to be the new um, speaker of the house. I mean, our news presents to us every night a new debate, a new discussion. And so the debate is underway. And then, in the midst of the debate, Peter stands up. And he says, remember what happened earlier? Remember when I went to Cornelius' house, that the Spirit led me to Cornelius' house, and the Spirit seemed to be poured out on them in the same way that it was poured out on us? And, and I had to baptize them. They believe that Jesus is the Messiah. They believe he's the anointed one. They believe and live in Jesus. I had to. They weren't Jews, but I had to. The Spirit told me to. Do you remember that event? Peter is speaking in defense of the position that Paul and Barnabas have brought. But it's not just experience that weighs in. After Peter has shared that, Paul and Barnabas, they'll have a floor to share what's been happening in Antioch. That Gentiles, non-Jews, are coming to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. That people like you and I are coming to believe that Jesus is Lord and Savior. And yet we're not Jewish. What do you do with us? Peter has shared what the Spirit has done. Paul and Barnabas are sharing what's happening. And then James stands up. And he speaks to not only that we've heard of the experience of what's presently happening, James goes back to Scripture itself. And he says, the prophets spoke of this. He's quoting mostly from Amos here. He conflates a few other sayings from some of the other prophets, puts it all together, words that they would have all known, and says, why are we surprised? The prophets spoke about this day. That we, Jews, who were be, to be a light to the nations... We who were blessed were at the very beginning with Abraham, and Abraham was blessed so that we might be a blessing to all nations, that that time has come. 
that God is rebuilding his house, the house of David, with Gentiles as well. What does this have to do with hospitality? It has to do with us remembering the core of why we welcome people. It has to do with the core of why and how we treat the outsider. We don't do it because we're supposed to. We don't do it because it'll make us bigger and somehow feel better about ourselves. We do it because the underlying reason is that we are no longer bound by what we do. Whether we're circumcised, whether we fully are able to follow all the rules and laws of Moses, they themselves were not able to do it. As they said, it was a yoke too great for them. They could not carry it themselves. The burdens of being right in every way and following God perfectly is an impossibility. And for that reason, Jesus Christ has come. Amen? We are not saved by how good we are or how much better we are than the person next to us in the community. We are not loved more because somehow we've got our lives together more. It has nothing to do with any of that. It has to do solely with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There's a reason they call us Christians, because we follow the Christ, the one who went to the cross for us, and the one whom we're expected to follow to the cross, to give our life for others, so that they may come to know the love of God, That God's love is so great that he was willing to give his son for us, for them. When others come in to be among us, whether it's in the church or when we're having a picnic or when we're gathered as three or five people, when they come among us as an outsider, the expectation placed upon us is a welcoming and a hospitality, not to show greater honor for us or less shame, but to show the love of Jesus Christ. Open hospitality is all about showing the love of Jesus Christ, no matter who the person is and at what stage they are in their journey. I love the quote of Reggie McNeil. Long ago, he's the one who speaks to churches and and faith communities of Christ, And he says, you know what, the church, the church struggles. The church is wanting to, guilty of, guilty of wanting to clean the fish first before it catches it. The church is guilty of wanting to clean the fish first before it catches it. We're about making fishers of men and women. And the cleaning comes through the Holy Spirit over time as they're exposed to who Jesus Christ is. Open hospitality is about recognizing where we begin with people. To be welcoming even with the broken, the hurting, the people that don't have their life together, the people that are going to cost us a lot. And yes, there's a whole bunch of yeah buts that go through our mind. 
And it was true for them as well. At the end, they did put certain restrictions, and those restrictions had to do with, look, but these are the things of life. If you're going to follow Christ, these are the things of life you need to start leaving behind, which is true for all of us. All of us still have things to let go of and leave behind as we follow Jesus. Open hospitality is part of our journey in following our Lord. I've seen it here quite a bit. And it's certainly something for us to aspire to be as well. Let us pray together. Oh Lord, may we follow you. May we follow you with all that we are. And may we welcome the outsider. Help us, O Lord, for that demands a lot of us. It doesn't mean we accept everything, but that we remember where we begin. We begin with the fact that you loved us so greatly that you gave yourself. Help us to love others in the same way. We pray all this, Jesus, in your precious name. Amen. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship, the abiding fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you, not only today, but forevermore. Amen.